Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Matt Price and Ryan McDowell. Fellas, we are on the eve of free agency, at least the legal tampering period of free agency, Ryan. A lot of moving and shaking to come in the coming days. We're going to cover some of that later in the episode. First, though, we have to get to our consensus tight end tiers. We've we've done this the last month or so. Went through quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. Now we're to those tight ends, uh, the juggernauts on all our dynasty teams. First, though, let's bring in Matt and Ryan. Ryan, how we doing? Uh, you, you ready for this free agent frenzy? Oh man, more than ready. This is this is one of the uh, one of the best parts of playing dynasty. Just just all the movement that we're hoping for. At least we'll we'll find out in the next couple of days if that actually comes to pass, and we see some of these players that we've maybe invested in actually changing teams and and hopefully gaining value, or potentially maybe getting back to their original mm. team and and gaining some value, or at least keeping the value that they that some were afraid they might lose. Uh, there's plenty of time to talk about that as well, Matt. You got to be happy with the news. From this morning, yeah, uh, very as as a Packer fan. Spoiler alert, uh, yeah, very happy with it from a team perspective. Eh, maybe a little less happy about it for uh, some other reasons, but you know, yeah, we'll we'll get to all that. Maybe maybe we'll get lucky, guys, and there'll be some trading mixed in NFL trades that get gets mixed into these signings and stuff. That would be exciting for sure. There's always the potential of that, especially with all the quarterback rumors going around throughout the NFL. Let's get to this uh, very important position though on our dynasty rosters. That's tight end, and we're gonna roll through these consensus tiers. We've we had a lot of uh, a lot of guys all over the board the last couple of weeks with running backs and wide receivers. We we got a little bit more on the same page. It feels like this week, guys. Right before the show, I was taking a look at each of our lists, and we uh, we did match up in a few spots. And that starts at the top, Ryan, with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey being a clean sweep. That's tight end tier one for all three of us. Yeah, not a not a ton to talk about with those guys. Obviously, both very well established as the top two. Um, if you're uh, in a in a new dynasty startup, maybe you need to have that conversation or or that thought process about who really is the tight end one. I know in our ADP, it's Travis Kelsey. Of course, he's coming off one of the best tight end years really of all time. So 
Um, I, I think there's a little recency bias there with having him separated quite a bit from Kittle. Um, a four-year age gap in the two. I'd probably take Kittle ahead, and, and that's who I ended up ranking uh, as the tight end one in the for this process. But, I mean, if two guys ever belonged in the tier in a tier together, it's these two. Yeah, they certainly do. And, you know, you talked about the recency bias. Uh, it's not all that recent with Kelsey. It, it, he's been doing it for a long time, uh, stacking these number one overall tight end seasons back to back to back. That's what's keeping him on top, Matt. Yeah, five straight tight end one seasons, none more dominant than this season in which he was the tight end one by a whole lot. <laughs> he scored yeah. 312.8 fantasy points in, in 2020. The second tight end, Darren Wall, on 278. If you jump all the way down to the tight end six, 170. So almost like almost double the points of the tight end six. Uh, so no no player in fantasy, is, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe no player in fantasy in 2021 had that much of a dominance over his position. Yeah, certainly makes sense. Yeah, to be clear, definitely not recency bias on on Kelsey's part. Right, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was speak, speaking more to the the injury that George Kittle suffered that kept him out most of the year, and and I think that's what created that gap in value sure. between the two. Yeah, it makes sense. So we all concur that the two of them, Kittle and Kelsey, make up tier one. Let's jump right on to tier two because we we do agree on a few guys, actually four of them. Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, and then rookie Kyle Pitts. Before we cover any of these guys, fellas, I want to know who is the who's going to be the first one out of this group to jump into tier Hawkinson. one. Hawkinson. Hawkinson. Oh, okay. What do you think, Ryan? I think it might be Hawkinson as well. If we're talking, if we're talking long term, you know, um, I, I do expect a big year out of him. We're going to see lots of changes with the Lions. Of course, they're expected to lose both Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. I, I wouldn't. I mean, Hawkinson is is just going to get force fed targets. Um, we kind of saw the breakout coming a little bit last year, so. Um, I think you can definitely make that case for Hawkinson. I would be on board with that, as Matt said. But from a value perspective, we'll, we'll see what the production looks like. But from a value perspective, Kyle Pitts has a strong case as well. He's already tightened four in our ADP. So we're, we're already, the community already valuing him uh, very highly, obviously. And um, if he just almost gives us anything from a production standpoint as a rookie, not only do I think he might be in the top, he, he would be in the top tier. I think he might be the tight end one overall. He's he's going to be twenty twenty one as a rookie, and to look at the ten year age gap between he and Travis Kelsey, I could see Pitts jumping to that tight end one line. You know, by the end of next season. Yeah, I could see both of those happening, and Hawkinson's certainly the one of the first ones that pop into my mind. Pitts, that's a fun one to talk about for sure. For me, it's got to be Darren Waller and what he's done in the last couple of years. Back-to-back seasons with over 1,100 yards. The touchdowns came up in 2020 as well from three in 2019 to nine in 2020. Also went over that 100-catch plateau. Um, he was dominant all year. Still only 28. He's got a few very, very productive and maybe elite type season still ahead of him. So I'm uh, I'm really excited to see what he does going forward. think he is a little bit underrated as well. So we cover Waller and Hawkinson and Pitts. There's also Mark Andrews. 
And then Ryan and I had Noah Fant in this tier as well. Matt, you you bumped him down a little with some of the names we're about to talk about. Tell me about Fant, Matt, and and what holds you back there cuz you you've talked about him in the past, but what's what's keeping him down in the 8 9 10 range rather than the 6 7 range? So I've been I've been doing a lot of tight end kind of research and this is not rocket science or anything uh since last year when i wrote a breakout or fake out article on noah fant uh discovered that basically to finish as a top six tight end you have to be number one or number two on your team and targets like if you're not one of those two then you're probably not going to happen it's happened uh, in the last five years it's happened excuse me in the last four years previous to 2020 it happened uh once and that was with austin hooper uh, and this year it actually happened with Robert Tanyan. So, but pretty much if you want to be a top six tight end, then you have to be a, one, of the, one or two in target share on your team. Uh, and I just don't see that for Fant. He did get there. The other thing for Fant that, that concerns me, uh, not only Cortland Sutton coming, coming back, so that makes him, to me, automatically makes him the third target on that offense with a bad quarterback. And we can talk about moving on from Locke and all that stuff, uh, but it hasn't happened yet. So from the perspective of where we're at now, if Cortland Sutton is completely healthy, if Jerry Judy is everything we think he's going to be, then Fant is not going to be the top three uh, in target share for the Denver Broncos. Uh, also concerning is that last year he actually was the second <laughs> in target share uh, on his team because of that Cortland sudden injury, uh, and he still only finished as the tight end nine. Now you can say it was because he was a second-year player, again, bad quarterback play, all of this stuff, but the signs to me point that as long as Sutton and Judy are there, then Fant is probably not going to be uh, one of those top two target getters in that offense. So it's just, uh, you know, it's not a not really a knock on his talent or anything. It's just the situation that he's in. And because of that, uh, I see, uh, you know, several tight ends that I'd rather have above him. Yeah, certainly good information coming out of that, uh, that study that you're doing and you're keeping a close eye on those guys. I, you know, and you mentioned the talent, the skill level, that, that seam stretching ability and the ability to be a big target in the red zone. That's probably what keeps him up in this group for me. That on top of the youth is enough for me to consider him with, with these types of names, including Andrews, Hawkinson, and Darren Waller. So, so Fant is in both mine and Ryan's tier two. We'll keep him right there. Uh, again, tier one, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey followed up in tier two by Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, and Noah Fant. Let's move on to tier three, Ryan, because this is a fun one. There's there's a lot of upside still left to talk about at the position, and it starts off with three guys that all of us had in this tier. That's Dallas Goddard, Irv Smith Jr., and Hunter Henry. Yeah, I, I really like all three of these players, especially Irv Smith, and, and I think all three of them have a chance to to gain some dynasty value, potentially uh, even just in the coming days and also see a production bump. Of course, with Dallas Goddard, uh, the expectation is that Zach Ertz will be gone uh, either through trade or release. We've already seen the Vikings uh, part ways with Kyle Rudolph, so it seems to be opening up for Irv Smith to see a bigger role, and and obviously Hunter Henry is set to be a free agent. So uh, I I think there's a chance we could be talking about uh, at least one or two of these guys moving up a tier uh, maybe even before the season starts. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. I like how you put that with Irv Smith Jr. The opportunity is certainly going to gonna be there. Going back to what Matt said about those tight ends and needing that target share, 
there's a couple big names in that Minnesota offense and, and maybe even a third one if you include Delvin Cook that – uh, they're going to require a lot of touches and a lot of targets. So th- that may be the only thing holding Irv back. I think we all like the talent. Same can be said about Dallas Goddard, who if things work out, out the way some of the rumor mill says it may, uh, and Ertz moves on via trade or otherwise, Dallas Goddard could get a bigger opportunity. And then really the first major uh, free agent that we needed to talk about, Hunter Henry, an interesting situation there. Probably going to have a little resolution on where he's going to be playing in the coming days. Rumors recently that he he kind of may want to go back to Los Angeles, play with the Chargers some more. That wouldn't be all that bad of a landing spot for him. There are a few other spots as well that could be nice for Hunter Henry. We could see a surge in his value and, and maybe even his production moving forward as well. Beyond that, a guy that you've been a big fan of, Matt, for a long time, Evan Ingram. He fits into this tier for you and I both. Talk to me about Ingram and why you still see him as a top 12 tight end. For Ingram, for me, I feel like the the really the, the, the holdup in his production has largely been his availability. You know, he finally put together, uh, you know, a relatively healthy season again last year in 2020. Uh, he was fourth in the league in terms of target share on his team with 21.8% of the targets. Uh, and he was the lead target getter on his team. Uh, that unfortunately only resulted in a tight end 15 overall finish. So, you know, he only had, I believe, I don't I, I just, I think he had one or like one or three touchdowns, something like that. So that was a big problem for him last season. And he has not ever been a a huge touchdown producer in his career. So that's something that's holding him back. So I feel like there's a little regression there. Uh, You know, maybe the Giants, you know, probably the Giants bring in a a, a bigger name receiver to to, to take some of that away from him. But because like they have all those wide receiver two types on their teams between Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton and uh, I guess Golden Tate's moving on at this point. So I think at at worst, he's going to be in those in that top two uh, on his team in terms of target share again. And if he brings those touchdowns up and he stays healthy, I know that's a lot of buts and ifs <laughs> with Evan Ingram, but you know, I think the numbers that are there, the peripheral numbers are there for him to be a top five, top five or six finisher uh, in terms of year long fantasy production. So I'm still confident in him. If he puts together another healthy season, then I think we can be confident at, at minimum as a top 10 tight end. Uh, so outside of that is, is a little bit sketchy for me. Yeah, and we, we still all are in love with the upside because of that athleticism and the ability to turn one of those five-yard outs, which, honestly, if you watch the Giants, it's maddening to watch him run all those routes close to the line of scrimmage. You say to yourself, why isn't he pushing that seam and trying to get down the field, make big plays in that offense when they need that so much? I'm not convinced that he's the perfect fit in that offense, but that's where he is. So let's see how how it plays out. I think Ingram belongs in this tier as well. Ryan, you bumped him down just a little bit, but you and I both agreed that there was one other tight end that belonged in Tier 3, and that's Johnu Smith. Yeah, just just love what we saw from Johnny Smith last year, especially earlier in the year. I know um, he kind of slowed down as the year went along and uh, dealt with some injuries and and some other things. And now, like Hunter Henry, he enters free agency and is expected to be finding a new team. So uh, a little little bit of uncertainty there until we find out where he lands. But to me, he's a player that I would group with and and did group with Goddard and and Irv Smith as players tight ends who uh, still have that upside potential top five 
uh, overall tight ends in the league and in dynasty. And, and, and really this is the player I kind of hinted to Matt earlier. This is the player I wanted to ask him about. Um, Matt has Johnny Smith one tier below uh, Dan, where you and I have him. And Matt, I, I just know you were a big Johnny fan last year. And part of that was because of the research you mentioned, um, I, I don't know what, what has you doubting him now? I don't really doubt him. I just don't know where he's going to end up. If he, if, if a team, you know, you would like to think that if a team is going to invest in him, they're going to have a plan for him, right? So it's just going to be a matter of landing spot. Uh, just some numbers on ten, him. He, he was the third, uh, third on the Tennessee Titans in terms of target share with 13.9% of the targets, uh, which was, you know, in terms of ranking with the other tight ends, pretty, pretty low. I would say outside the top 12, just a quick scan. Um, so not quite getting the target share with the team. We know his, he, he was underused there. Uh, um, he did finish 16th overall, so like some efficiency, I think, for sure, for that low of a target share. So uh, I, I'm not really down on him. I just it just seems like there's a question mark of where he's going to land and how he's going to be used. And if he is is going to land in a spot where he's not a primary target again, can he uh, repeat that level of efficiency? So it's 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 not really down on him. It's just I see him a little bit lower than that tier of Goddard, Henry, Fant, Ingram, and Irv. I just I guess you could s- consider him the pretty much the same as Irv Smith, but Irv Smith's got familiarity in the offense. He's also a guy who's not going to be higher than the third option in that offense, at least in 2021. So I could see moving him up. It's just that question mark of how, where he's where he's lands and where is it, how is he going to be used? It really feels like if we're basing this on talent and, and the amount, uh, if, if everything was in a vacuum, uh, everybody had the same kind of opportunities. Jonu Smith would could potentially even be higher than what me and Ryan yeah. have him at in tier three. But you do make a good point. He's one of these guys that is a free agent and could land in a spot where somebody just needs a tight end, doesn't necessarily use him in the same way, and that could hurt his value as a dynasty asset. We'll see how that plays out. For now, though, he lands in tier three along with Dallas Goddard, Irv Smith Jr., Hunter Henry, and Evan Ingram. Let's get to tier four, guys, because this is another fun tier that has upside and guys maybe that are reaching that that time in their career where we expect them to take the next step. For so long, all of us as dynasty managers have heard that tight ends don't produce early in year one and year two. Once they get to year three, and especially in year four, you expect that jump to have happened or, or be on the cusp. And that's a lot of these guys that we're about to talk about. Firstly, uh, there are two names that all of us had in this tier. That's Robert Tunyon and Mike Gusecki. Tunyon, of course, had the at least semi-breakout last season. He is a restricted free agent, so we'll see exactly how that plays out in Green Bay. Mike Gusecki, the other one, uh, another maybe mini breakout. You can certainly see in spurts the upside that Gusecki had coming out of Penn State. These guys belong in Tier 2. Outside of that, there are a handful of other names, Ryan, worth considering, and it's pretty much full of youth. Yeah, I've, I've got the tight end two and tight end three um, of this incoming rookie class, Pat Frymuth and Brevin Jordan in this group, along with um, a rookie from last season, Cole Komet. Um, with with Jimmy Graham gone from Chicago, I expect, and I think a lot of people are expecting, commit to kind of take that next step they they need some pass catchers there and I think there's there's at least a path for him to be one of those top two targeted players in the offense as Matt was talking about earlier Um, and and then I do have I know we already talked about Evan Ingram I've got him in this tier as well 
Yeah, so between Fryermuth and Jordan, the two rookies, and then also Cole Komet, who certainly has youth on his side and quite a bit of upside. Outside of that, Matt, you stretched your limits just a little bit further. You added Tyler Higby to the tier. Yeah, Tyler Higby is really interesting, I think, for 2021 because we were pretty sure Gerald Everett is moving on. Uh, Higby actually had, despite him being you know, more productive, uh, in 2020, he actually had two less targets than Everett's in one less game. Uh, and this is always a fun game. It's, it, this is not uh, predictive or anything. We obviously can't, can't uh, expand stats to fit our needs, but just for fun. Uh, <laughs> if Everett leaves and you combine both targets for Higby uh, in 2021, meaning if Higby got all of the targets that, that Everett uh, is vacating, which is uh, 62 targets, I believe, um, uh, so it would give him 122 targets, 21.7% uh, target share in, in the in the uh, offense, 85 receptions, 900 yards, six touchdowns, which would be good for 215 PPR points and would have made him the tight end three in, uh, in 2020. So, you know, we're expanding, we're speculating, all that stuff. But if Gerald Everett leaves and, Ty- and Tyler Higby is the only game in town, uh, you know, there's a potential, I think, for him to, to finish as a tight end one pretty easily in 2021. Um, that's, that's really it. You know, there's a lot of things in flux there. How are they going to use Cam Akers? Matthew Stafford is, is, is a new quarterback there. But, you know, looking at the peripherals, things look good for, for Tyler Higby going forward. It certainly does, and a lot of the points you make there we we saw in a spurt towards the end of 2019 and, and maybe even the, the best of the best kind of spurt, the, that elite stretch that he had at the end of the season. I wonder with the change at quarterback if that's a good thing or a bad thing, if they're going to run less of those two tight end sets. And in running plays, we've seen Sean McVay bring in a true run-blocking tight end. Uh, and and then with Stafford having the ability to change plays and, and create different opportunities, if that's gonna gonna factor in at all, I kind of want to see how this plays out before either investing in Higby or even selling him. He feels like a hold to me, so I had him just a tier below. I think Ryan did as well. Uh, I I don't hate the idea of having him up with some of the other guys we're talking about in tier four. I just feel like it's a little bit more risky. Ryan, do you have any thoughts on Higby? Um, he, he's a confusing one to me. I feel like obviously we saw kind of two different versions of the player late in that 2019 season. And then last, last year was fine. I mean, he certainly didn't, uh, pick up where he left off, but he was okay. Um, and, uh, Matt kind of alluded to it. I, I think a lot of times he was outplayed by Gerald Everett. Um, so, you know, that's, it's, he's just a confusing player. I want, I do want to see what he looks like with a quarterback upgrade with Everett presumably gone. So uh, I can definitely see a path for him to um, bounce back value wise and, and maybe move up a tier or, or even two. But I'm also with you, Dan. He's, I'm just not taking a chance on him now unless, unless he's super cheap. Beyond that, inside this tier, the last guy we need to talk about is Washington tight end Logan Thomas. Had his breakout season in uh, 2020 as well. 110 targets, 72 catches, just 670 yards. So working close to the line of scrimmage as that dump dump off option. Six touchdowns. Ryan, you just said, what if this guy has a a little better 
quarterback play. And and certainly Washington is one of those teams that is looking mm-hmm. to upgrade that position. Logan Thomas certainly profiles as one of the, their top two pass catching options at this point. We'll see what free agency brings there. I gave him the benefit of the doubt that he takes another step forward and moved him up into tier four. Uh, Matt, I know you had him in tier four as well. Ryan, you had him one notch down in tier five. Uh, I'd, I'd like to get both of your thoughts on Logan Thomas and his upside and how you project him moving forward. Matt, let's go with you first. Yeah. Logan Thomas, uh, fifth in the fifth, uh, in, in the league in terms of target share for tight ends for his team. And it could have been even more, uh, the, 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 the interesting thing about Washington is we know JD McKissick there and both McKissick and Logan Thomas had 110 targets. Exactly. So, uh, with Alex Smith, not there, maybe with a court upgrade, a quarterback, maybe McKissick isn't quite, uh, the, the dump off option and doesn't see a hundred plus targets again. Uh, you know, that obviously they're probably going to add another receiver you would hope, uh, to help out Terry McLaurin. So it's still possible. He, uh, is, is the third option in that offense. Um, but I, I quite like him as a buy. I actually bought him in a tight end premium league this uh, this week for Philip Lindsay straight up. Um, so I'm, I'm confident in him being you know that back end tight end one at a minimum again in in 2021. Yeah, I love that trade. If that's the value, I'm I'm all in. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, age is a concern. It, uh, obviously, a late breakout. We talked about Waller kind of on that path, but he's even even later than Waller, uh, already 29 years old. So just question how many years uh, Logan Thomas can give us. Uh, I do expect Washington, obviously, to upgrade at quarterback, um, which is which is a boost. But, um, Matt, you said it. I think they they have to bring in another wide receiver as well. So we'll just kind of see the level of, of that receiver. And if it's somebody who's just more of that complimentary piece, or if it's a player that could really um, hurt the, the opportunity of Thomas. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't argue strongly with having him in that tier four where you guys had him. So Logan Thomas rounds out that tier ends up being Robert Tunyon, Mike Gusecki, Pat Fryermuth. Cole Komet, Brevin Jordan, and Logan Thomas. Let's get to Tier 5, fellas, because uh, there's, there's still some upside with this group. There's some fading veterans, maybe. Uh, the guys that really the only guy that we uh, were consensus, Tier 5, tight end, all of us, uh, was Zach Ertz. So um, beyond that, we had to shake things up. Higby ends up bumped down because Ryan and I both had him down a bit. Uh, Hayden Hurst also falls into this category. And then Austin Hooper, a guy who had his big breakout in Atlanta and then was a relative disappointment in Cleveland because of the the injury, the depth chart, just everything that happened there. Talk to me about this group, Ryan, because there's uh, there's certainly reason to be selling these guys. And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit of upside still. Yeah, the more I look at it, again, this is where I had Logan Thomas. And the more I look at it, it does feel like I should be moving him up because <laughs> the others in this group, Higby, Hurst, Hooper, and Ertz, uh, are just just kind of, you know, just kind of there, right? Like, not players I'm excited about. I don't see a ton of upside with them, even uh, in the short term and certainly not in the long term. Um, so... Yeah, I would, I would again, be on board with moving Logan Thomas up as we did. But overall, this is just a, not a tier I'm chasing at all. 
Matt, it doesn't feel like a tier that, that you're trying to build your tight end position around. Maybe Higby has the, the most upside of the group, but outside of that, it feels like high-end maybe tight end twos that can fill in for you for a week or two or short stretch of the season. Out that, outside of that, you don't want to be depending on these guys week in and week out for an entire 16-game slate. Yeah, that's why I had Higby in the, the tier above. <laughs> okay, um, well, it's, it checks out. I, I don't hate it. For so, sure. yeah, I mean, Hayden Hurst and Hooper, they're kind of like your, I think they're, they're your baseline. Uh, you know, like if you miss out on everybody else and you just need somebody that has a chance to score some points, those are kind of your, your fail saves. Hurst uh, uh, was the third third on his team in target share, obviously behind Julio and Calvin Ridley. You don't see that changing anytime soon. He did have 14.5% of the target share and finished as the tight end 10 in 2020. Uh, so, you know, it's it, it's very boring, but if you don't want to pay up for tight end and you just want some points every week, I can understand, uh, you know, throwing a dart at him if, if depending on the price tag uh and then with austin hooper kind of the same guy he was one of the ones that kind of broke the broke into the top six and in, in two seasons with atlanta without being uh, a top two target share on his team uh and he he did it again in in 2020 last, uh, last season with 15 uh, percent of the targets uh he was second but that was obviously with odell out so you have to think that drops to third at a minimum and harrison bryant is breathing down his neck right so he's, he's probably still the tight end one in terms of the production he's going to give you but it's going to be close between those two uh and even despite the you know relatively high target share he still only finishes the tight end 21 last season so uh not not a lot to like there but you know again like a, a fail safe if you will if you want to take one of these guys that we're going to talk about in the next few tiers that are the upside plays if you want to pair one of those guys with a safe guy like Cooper or Hurst, then, you know, I think that's okay. Yeah, that seems to check out. The only other guy that really fits into this tier for me was Gerald Everett. But since I was the only one to put him in, let's move him down to tier six. We'll have a chance to talk about him in the mo- in a moment. Tier five ends up being Zach Ertz, Tyler Higby, Hayden Hurst, and Austin Hooper. So a relatively small tier and, and parts of that feel like it's closer to p- tier four and parts feel like it's closer to tier six let's get to that tier six try to figure out how close these guys are to moving up they start with two guys that all three of us had in their consensus tier six tight ends harrison bryant and oj howard ryan why do these two guys fit into this group for you i like both players obviously both at kind of different parts of their careers howard is uh he's disappointed for the most part so far with injuries and and uh really just kind of subpar play. Uh, I, I hated that he got hurt last year and missed a big chunk of that season because obviously we saw the Buccaneers uh, offense really thrive with, with Tom Brady. We saw how much he spread the ball around. And, and I think we could have seen a true breakout from OJ Howard. And hopefully that comes uh, this season. I, I do still see some upside with him. Uh, and then Harrison Bryant, top scoring rookie tight end, from a fantasy standpoint this past season. And even with uh, Austin Hooper, who we already talked about, David Njoku is still on that roster as well. Even with a pretty crowded tight end room, uh, I still see a path for him to, to gain value. And um, if we fast forward to the end of 2021 and, and you tell me he's the tight end one on that team and, and Hooper is that, you know, a backup or, or maybe even cut potentially, it wouldn't be surprising. Matt, how about for you? You had Harrison Bryant and O.J. Howard in here. You also mixed in 
a couple other names. Talk to me about this uh, tier six for you. This is the the start of the the all upside tier, and it feels weird to say that. Still say that about uh, OJ Howard and you know David Njoku. Uh, but you know, I think it's it's still there. Howard just needs to be healthy. He needs Gronk to go away. He needs. I mean, be, you can you can list all of the things he needs. No matter what, he's still going to be behind uh, Evans and and Godwin, right? So you know, you're, we're probably looking more at like a week to week upside with Howard, where any given week, he, you know, he could have one of those two touchdown games. But it's uh, you know, the the, the volume is probably not going to be where we want it. Everett, if he lands in a good spot, we've seen him be good. Uh, Troutman, he's got. I mean, he's got upside for days if he if he remains the tight end one and and Breeze comes back right. So, uh, yeah, I, know, I just Alberto I threw I threw in here because I for the, for the, for the other reasons about Fant that I just I just think Alberto is a better better threat to score touchdowns in the short areas of the field. So I put him in here and then Dawson Knox, somebody we've liked for a couple of years now. You know, not super healthy in in twenty twenty, but we like the Buffalo offense and uh, again though the upside could be capped because you know you know it's going to be. Stephon Diggs, of course, you know, maybe he surpasses Gabriel Davis or whoever happens to be the wide receiver too in 2021, but it's a little bit of a long shot for him. And then I put Blake Jarwin here as well, uh, because we saw what Dalton Schultz did last year, and Blake Jarwin is significantly more talented athletically than Dalton Schultz was, and Schultz finished as the tight end 11 last year so i think it's in the range of outcomes for jarwin to be a tight end one but again going back to the target share he's not going to he's he's probably not going to eclipse any of the receivers so we're looking at three out of four three or four uh at, at his maximum there in terms of target share so uh just all upside guys that i prefer uh more than the next tier i guess yeah it it certainly makes sense and guys like bryant and oj howard which we all had in here also, Adam Troutman felt, feels like he fits into the group. In fact, all of us had him at least this high. I had him up in Tier 5, actually. The more I think about this tier, and, and I actually had it this way originally, was that, that group for, all the way up from Pat Fryermuth and Cole Komet, Brevin Jordan, all the way down to the top of this tier, which includes Harrison Bryant, maybe even O.J. Howard and Adam Troutman, they could be one tier. Yeah. It it doesn't necessarily has to be have to be broken up. We ended up doing that. Uh, tier six ends up being Harrison Bryant, O.J. Howard, Rob Gronkowski, Adam Troutman, and Gerald Everett, who certainly has some upside out of free agency as well. Beyond this, I don't know how far we really have to go, guys. There are some consensus tier seven guys. That's Jared Cook and Eric Ebron. Blake Jarwin certainly fits in here. Matt, you mentioned that you had him a tier above. I had him right here. Ryan actually bumped him down to tier eight. There are a handful of other guys worth mentioning. Let's just open up the floor. Is there somebody out of the, if you're if you're at the end of a startup or you're looking for somebody even on the waiver wire or for really cheap on the trade market is there a tight end that you're investing in in these like tight end premium leagues Ryan well I think the name that that kind of stands out at this point is Donald Parham uh, with the potential um, the potential for Hunter Henry to leave the Chargers of course he he wasn't tagged now he's hitting free agency so if he if he does, in fact, find a new team, then uh, we would think Parham would get a little bump there. I, I also think they would bring in some some more competition. So um, th- there was a little bit of hype in the in the real deep dynasty circles with Parham the past couple weeks, but um, I'm not quite ready to to go crazy with that. But uh, definitely a player to to keep our eye on. I think the same could probably say 
be said for Anthony Ferkser, uh, mm. a guy that could have a little bit of upside if given the opportunity in that full-time role. He mixed into this tier as well for me. Matt, is there somebody that you want to make sure to mention? Actually, I was going to mention Ferkser, even though I don't think I wrote him down <laughs> on, okay. our, on our show sheet. Uh, same reasons you mentioned, you know, that Corey Davis is leaving, John Smith is leaving. Uh, so, you know, as of, as of today, that makes him the, the second option in that offense. Uh, and he performed, you know, pretty well last year when 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 Johnny was out. Uh, you know, he had a, I think he only had one touchdown last year. But uh, you know, several games that were usable for fantasy purposes for sure. And if he is the tight, if he is the second option in that offense, there's there's something there, and he's essentially free, right? So I don't even know if he'd, he would cost you a third round pick necessarily. So uh, he would be the guy. And then a disappointment I'll throw out there is Ian Thomas, man. We we were we we liked Ian Thomas quite a bit for a while, uh, but uh, only five point nine percent of the target share last season, fifth on the team in target share, uh, and finished as the tight end fifty four, despite it looking like there was some decent opportunity for him. So uh, it kind of feels like he's just not going to happen. Yeah, it certainly doesn't. I know uh, a lot of my rosters that have Ian Thomas on two- and three-year contracts I'm shaking my head at (laughs) right now because he he fits in way down in the tight end threes. Let's quickly recap what we had for our tight end tiers. In Tier 1, it was George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, followed in Tier 2 by Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, and Noah Fant. Tier 3 for the tight ends went Dallas Goddard, Irv Smith Jr., Hunter Henry, Janu Smith, and Evan Ingram. Those are pretty much your tight end ones. In fact, that's 12 of them. Tier 4 for the tight ends, Robert Tunyon, Mike Gusecki, Pat Fryermuth, Cole Komet, Brevin Jordan, and Logan Thomas. In Tier 5 for the tight ends, we had Zach Ertz, Tyler Higby, Hayden Hurst, and Austin Hooper. Tier 6 went... Harrison Bryant, O.J. Howard, Rob Gronkowski, Adam Troutman, and Gerald Everett. When we got to Tier 7, we settled on Jared Cook, Eric Ebron, Blake Jarwin, then guys like Dawson Knox, Albert O., uh, David Njoku, Donald Parham, Anthony Ferkser. The list kind of goes on and on from there. There's probably a tier break before Chris Herndon and Dalton Schultz, Kyle Rudolph, Ian Thomas, Mo Cox, Dan Arnold. The list goes on and on. Uh, pick your flavor there at the end. Since we have some time, guys, we thought we'd talk quickly about this free agent market. And by the time some of our listeners uh, click the play button, they're probably going to be saying, wait a minute, these some of these guys have already signed, but we thought we'd have a little bit of fun with it. Try to try to maybe dr- go through a draft of, of the best free agent signings, what it'll look like by the time we get together again next week. Before we get to that, there have been some signings, none bigger, Ryan, than Aaron Jones re-signing with Green Bay. That happened earlier today. We're recording on Sunday afternoon. Jones ends up back in Titletown, back with the pack. Uh, Going to be sharing that backfield with uh, A.J. Dillon rather than Jamal Williams. How do you see this playing out as far as his, his dynasty value is concerned? Yeah, this one shocked me. I would I would say don't don't listen to all the podcasts I did last week where I said there was no chance that Jones would would return to Green Bay. Just skip over those. Um, but no, I, I I certainly wasn't alone. I, I uh, did not see this coming at all. Um, if I've got Aaron Jones on any dynasty rosters, I am celebrating right now. And uh, if I've got AJ Dillon, I'm I'm a little bummed out. I I definitely do see still see a role for him. Uh, I mean, we remember one of the knocks against Aaron Jones uh, over the past two or three years has been the Packers' uh, almost insistence on 
sticking with with some form of a committee backfield. Um, so I, I still think we see that. Um, uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of Jones production came from touchdowns. So uh, certainly a chance that those numbers could go down and, and A.J. Dillon could still steal a few of those. Um, so I'm happy when when it comes to Aaron Jones. And, and if I find any desperate A.J. Dillon managers out there, I'll, I'll try to take advantage. I was selling last week, but now's now's a good time to buy, I think. Yeah, it is for sure. I'm, you know, I'm happy for some of the the other limited weapons, and not not limited in the sense that they're not that good, just that there's not that many in the offense. Having that weapon there, Matt Aaron Jones out of the backfield in the passing game, especially that helps Aaron Rodgers' dynasty value. It also helps a guy named Devontae Adams because he's not now the only big play threat in the offense. Yeah, I mean, as a Packer fan, you have you have to love it. As a as a fantasy player, you have to love it. Maybe a little bit less than you you loved it last year. Although that that kind of hesitation, I doubt you know has kind of always been baked into Aaron Jones. I think he was like the tight or the running back fifteen, sixteen ish last season going into into the the points playing season. Um, so. It, yeah, I, I I don't think you can project him for 15 plus touchdowns again. You know, maybe he is. There there is some evidence. Uh, our buddy Tom Kislingberry put out an article on the running back backfield uh, just this week, I think, a couple of days ago, uh, and it showed that Jones had nearly 60 percent of the the touches on early downs, but just 45 percent on third downs. You have to think that might ch- change a little bit if they want to get if they really do want to get Dylan more involved then you, you, you kind of hope they do if they were going to spend that high of a draft pick on him and then turn around and and re-sign Aaron Jones so a lot of confusing moves from that perspective um and and also last season AJ Dillon was used on a lot less short yardage plays than Aaron Jones which you again you would think that that kind of flip-flops so uh, I think it is good for for Aaron Jones uh it's production probably not as good as the last two years and then Dylan, I agree with Ryan. I think he's absolutely. I thought he was a buy before, uh, just just based on the, the the inflection point, the volatility that you could have got by by taking advantage of managers who just weren't sure what was going to happen. Uh, but now you should be able to get him even cheaper than that. So uh, I like I like I like it all. I like it all. Yeah, it certainly feels good as a Packer fan. I, I like having that weapon in that offense for Rogers' last couple of years with the team. And, you know, maybe perhaps another run through the playoffs for the pack. So let's get to this draft, guys. We're going to draft some players that are currently going to be on the cusp, I guess, of being free agents. Inside of this, you know, we're going to have to try to uh, figure out where they're going to land, maybe give some suggestions on that. But basically what we're trying to do is in a week when all these guys have signed, we want to have the players that gained the most possible uh, value. So let's do a couple rounds. Ryan, since you whiffed so hard on Aaron Jones last week, <laughs> you're going to have to wait till third this week to make your selection. Mm. Matt, go ahead. Who do you have as the number one pick? Well, I'm going to assume this is a super flex draft. So <laughs> absolutely. Do we do anything else? Uh, and I'm also going to assume that, I mean, who knows? Nobody knows, but I'm going to assume that Jameis Winston is the starter in, in New Orleans next season. Uh, Matt, Matt, I got it. I, I got to stop you. Breeze just announced his retirement. Uh, <laughs> yeah, then Winston is easy, the easy number one pick there, and Winston is probably the starter in New Orleans. I would assume. You know, maybe maybe it is uh, Taysom Hill for some reason, but I think I think it's Winston. Why would they invite invest that tiny contract in last year, bring him in to learn the system, all that stuff, if, if they didn't have plans for him? Uh, so he's to me the most interesting player on this list. Okay, I like that. I'm I I didn't really read it 
quite that way. I, I guess I didn't consider Winston number one because maybe we didn't talk about the super flex thing. That is a nice pick, though, for sure. I'm going to jump down to the wide receivers, and and I'm, I'm just looking for overall upside, a guy that could land in the right spot and just take off in his career. So I, I can't believe I'm going to do it. I'm taking Will Fuller. And he, he's got the suspension. He's still got another game. But I, I'm going to swing for the fence in a draft that doesn't matter for <laughs> anything and we, we will we'll never speak of again. And Will Fuller is the one guy that if he landed in the right offense with all the opportunities and a, and a great quarterback, and yes, he's had that in the past in Houston, he took a step forward, was very intriguing last year, and, and certainly proved something that he hadn't to this point. I want to see him with a great quarterback and a really functional offense because Will Fuller could take the step forward, so I'll, I'll grab him. Ryan, that leaves you on the clock for two. We might as well snake this thing. I can't believe in this dumb draft that I got <laughs> my top two guys are, are off the board already. Winston was definitely my number one pick, and Fuller was my backup plan, so uh, forget we you. Got we're him. just trying to leave you your boy, uh, that's all. I, I was leaving you Juju, buddy. Come on. So I, I think the point of this is to try to find players that can gain the most value uh, through free agency and, and really through – the events of the next uh, week. I am. Oh man, Don't those were definitely those were definitely my top two guys. Um, Don't I'm take my go. guy. Don't take my guy. I thought for sure I left the two guys that you would take, and you'd leave me my number three player. No, you you all had your chance. Um, I'm going to go with nice. Curtis Samuel. Oh come on! <laughs> I'm going to go with Curtis Samuel. He has been uh, he's been linked so much with. Green Bay that I almost I can almost envision him in a Packers uniform after today's news I I can't imagine that they're able to do that cap wise uh, but I do think there's a very good chance that Samuel can land uh, in a new gig to um, give him a larger role and and a quarterback upgrade um, he's you know, he, he kind of suffered through the, the Teddy Bridgewater year, and, and that was just fine. But if he finds a team with um, with that that better quarterback, I, I can definitely see him really gaining some uh, big-time can't, dynasty Can't you value. just see him in that Randall Cobb role but faster and quicker? And, man, that would be fun. Yes, That would be so I can. fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, wish, I wish the Packers uh, GM could see that too, but <laughs> – <laughs> All right, we'll who see. are we going with fourth overall, Ryan? Um, this is a tough one too. I, okay, I'll I'll take my guy. I'll take Juju. Um, only because we we've seen where his value can go. I mean, this was a player that was being considered uh, as as the potential wide receiver one in dynasty uh, a couple of years ago. Still super young. I think there are many teams where he can go and rehab his his dynasty value. Um, I'm just hoping he doesn't take the payday, which, you know, which might mean the Jets or something like that. Yeah, that's what I fear when it comes to Juju and and maybe more of these guys as well. I was going to say the same thing about Will Fuller as you did about Curtis Samuel. You know, the the Packers were so close to trading for him at the trade deadline. Uh, You know, word out of Green Bay was maybe the reason the trade fell apart was because they wanted Fuller to sign a long-term deal, and that simply wasn't going to happen. So they didn't get the deal done. Now now Fuller's a free agent, and maybe he'd come, and, you know, that, that front office is so smitten with Will Fuller. 
Uh, we'll see if there's any money for anything else in Green Bay. Uh, that puts me on the clock at fifth overall. There's a couple guys to talk about for sure, certainly consider, but I'm going to go with the probably the stock pick. It's Kenny Galladay, uh, a big playmaker. He's another guy, just like you just said, Ryan. I hope it's not the big payday with the, with the poor quarterback play or in the wrong offense. Seems like a guy that needs a quarterback to throw him those jump balls. So hopefully he lands in the right spot. Hopefully he's with a quarterback that can – can get the ball downfield and create those big plays. Coming off the injured season, though, I wonder what his market's going to look like and if there's uh, if there's the opportunity for him to really cash in like he may have a year ago or something like that. It's interesting that he's on the market. We'll see how it plays out. So that's two... Oh, first, though, we should get to Matt's, Matt's pick in the second round. Who we got six Do overall? Do I get to make a, a second pick or no? Sure, okay. we'll do one more. Then round. I'm going to take two extremely unsexy guys. Number one, this is a this is a super flex lead, so I'm taking Fitzpatrick. You know he's going to be starting somewhere. You can get him for basically free if you're struggling at quarterback, and might as well go go throw a third round pick at him if it even costs you that, right? Um, so he's pretty pretty obvious to me. And then really really unsexy. Uh, this guy has is basically not being drafted in March DLF uh, mock drafts. Uh, to establish ADP, and I think I've saved him at least once. Ryan said he saved him at least once. It's AJ Green. He's he's worth nothing right now, uh, and maybe he is for good maybe, reason. <laughs> that's fair. Dude, I, I I have a feeling you're botching this. It's draft fair. Now. It's fair that he probably has zero value and will do nothing ever again. But 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 he but he might. What what if AJ Green went to to Green Bay no, on a cheap contract, Dan? Your your team average is like thirty five years one. old. Hey. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Matt loves the bats. All right, let's keep this train. Try to get it back on the tracks, not just rolling. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Corey Davis for the upside that he uh, he lands somewhere where he's not expected to be the number one, can be the number two. He did have spurts last year where he was, especially as that play action behind the linebacker, uh, type wide receiver. He's so traditional. He doesn't offer a lot of that uh, jet sweep or any of the um, tunnel screen type type playmaking. So he's a bit limited, but he still has the route running. He still can get the separation. I feel like if he lands with the coach and quarterback combination, uh, that that maybe he could take a step forward and and at least uh, add to the value that he had last year, which wasn't nearly as bad as so many dynasty managers remember ryan who we got again we're talking about players who we think could gain dynasty value i'm looking at at this tight end he's tied in 27 in our current adp uh he's just 26 years old he's gerald everett and he's almost certainly leaving the rams for a new a new team and and hopefully a starting tight end position um and, and there's so many teams around the league that that need that tight end help uh, i'm we're talking about a dozen teams where he could go and, and potentially move from tight end 27 to uh, tight end 15, 18, somewhere in that range. Yeah, the potential for a big jump for sure. There's another tight end that we could have got to. That's Jonu Smith. He could he could even get a jump from where he is in current ADP and, and current value. Other Anybody else worth mentioning here, Matt? Somebody else that 
that you think, uh, hey, maybe he lands in the right spot and adds to his Jamal value. Williams is interesting now because you, you, you would assume yeah. he's not coming back to Green Bay if they're bringing back Aaron Jones. You know, maybe they bring everybody everybody back somehow. Uh, but he could certainly land up in a, in a place where he's, you know, maybe not the lead back in the committee, but a similar role, if not an increased role to what he had for the Packers. Um I don't know. I'm I'm always I always love Marvin Jones, and I think he's going to produce wherever he goes. Uh, Golden Tate could ends up somewhere. I, I'm picking the old the old guys again. Antonio Brown, we didn't even mention. Is he going to come back? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like <laughs> these guys still have Jamal Williams is only like 28. <laughs> it just seems like some of these older receivers we want to bury, and that maybe they're maybe they're not quite dead yet. All right, so the one thing we've learned on this episode is if you're in a league with Matt Price, you need to be sending him uh, trade offers with old receivers going his way. Ryan, anybody for you? Uh, yeah, Chris Carson stands out. Sure. Um, he, he's been the focal point of that Seattle running game for a couple years. Um, would just be interested to see him with a new team. Um, and there, again, kind of like what I said with tight end, there's so many teams around the league that, that have a need at running back, so... Uh, he'll find a job. Yeah, Hunter Henry, we didn't mention in this part of the show, but he's also a free agent and could land in the right spot to add some value. I agree with Matt Jamal Williams. He could be that under-the-radar guy that gets a bigger workload than what we're maybe expecting. He took a really nice step forward last year, and I'm sure general managers around the league uh, notice that. There are some other names that scare me more than others as well. Guys like James Conner, could we see him staying on the market for an extended period and, and not signing right away? Uh, Kenyon Drake falls into that. The one landing spot, and I know we didn't say we were going to talk about this, guys, but I'm thinking about running back to San Francisco and how how dynamic that could be and how that could change the landscape. If one of these guys, even one of those names like Drake or Conner, lands in San Francisco... That could be a big any riser. of these guys, any of them. Lin- Leonard Fournette, any, any Leonard literally Fournette. any of them, even, even old guys, even Matt. Todd Gurley, <laughs> even Todd Gurley. You're not wrong about that. Uh, no, he is wrong. <laughs> he's wrong. Okay, all right. So we we covered all the tight ends, guys. We got through that. That's the end of that run of episodes. We covered all the positions and uh, did our consensus tiers. That was a lot of fun. We got a lot more coverage. We're going to have to talk about what happens actually in free agency in the coming weeks. We're also going to get to more rookie coverage. We're going to talk about uh, start doing some of these rookie mock drafts leading up to the NFL draft. We have a lot of stuff to get to in the next handful of weeks, fellas. So uh, for Matt and Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. It was a lot of fun. We'll catch you again next week. Download the draft guide.